This is Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! With the voice of Vegas, your host, RJ Bell. Pay that man his money. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Live from the Vegas Strip, the pregame show America has always wanted. Here's Bernie Fratto. Well, when Devin Booker got blitzed at the top of the key with 15 seconds to go in the game tonight and Drew Holiday ripped the ball away from him and then hit a perfect lob to Giannis, who ran the lane like a wild man from coast to coast, I'm just thinking... If you're not enjoying the 2021 NBA Finals, then that's a you issue. And in about 15 minutes, we're going to take a deep dive into the series, the odds, what happened in Game 5, what's likely to happen in Game 6, and I want a retrospective of the first four games as well. A little different show tonight. I want to welcome in a special guest from Michigan, a gentleman, longtime radio executive in Michigan, scratch golfer, all around the golf map in the state of Michigan, highly respected. And the truth of the matter is, if he doesn't do a favor for me in March of 1994, I'm probably not on Fox Sports Radio tonight. Let's fill in the blanks. But first, let's welcome in a longtime friend and associate, Mark Lipke. Mark, thanks for staying up late in Michigan tonight, buddy. Hey, Bernie. It's great to hear your voice, man. Right back at you. And before I get to your analysis on the Open and other things in the world of golf, I have to take this quick walk down memory lane because the truth of the matter is when you are trying to climb on this business, if you are smart, you remember the people who helped you along the way. And you were the very first one. We were doing a fantasy baseball draft back in 94. The following week we were golfing, and I mentioned how I'd been writing features and corresponding with Dick Schapp. And you said, give me a demo tape. You walked it in. And had you not done that, Mark, I wouldn't be here. So I got to thank you in front of our 360 affiliates tonight. Well, it was a pleasure, and that was sort of the short story. You sat in a chair for a long, long time out in that lobby before somebody would talk to you. And uh, I saw that, uh, and that was, uh, that, that was the road to a lot of people seeing what you were all about. Well, thanks a lot, because what's really cool, Mark, is I still have very fond memories of WTK in Ann Arbor, and I certainly keep in touch with all the folks back there, and your, yourself and Dennis Fithian and Jeff Rieger and all the guys and we cover the Lions with. But anyway, maybe that we can talk about that another day, and we got to get you out to Vegas so I can buy a dinner. But thanks again, and uh, onward and upward. What I was looking for most tonight is to get your take on the open one of the things that really blew me away is when i turned on the tv today mark i couldn't believe how sunny it was over there <laughs> i'm saying am i got the right channel on have you ever seen the conditions at night it's like three days in a row and if you've been sort of following along behind the scenes you know uh the weather over there has been real rainy the rough has is real thick and the rna you know like mike davis i'll uh watered the fairways, kept the fairways soft, and they were counting on the weather changing a little bit, but it just didn't happen. And have you ever seen a chalk day like today? No, not over in that part of the world. Usually you're looking for rain and wind and cloudy skies. And what's interesting, Mark, the last two times the Open's been played at Royal St. George's, the winners have been long shots. In 2011, Darren Clark won it. He was the oldest man to ever win the Open. And back in 03, Ben Curtis was ranked like 400th in the world. 
Well, here we are, a couple of long shots. Louis Oosthuizen held on today, held serve. He opened up at 40-1, to 1, and Colin Morikawa at 30-1. to 1. Meanwhile, the favorite, John Rahm, he's not out of it. He's five strokes back. You could have got him at 7-1 to one before the tournament. Now you can get him at 16-1. to one. What do you expect to happen tomorrow? Do you expect Oosthuizen to hang on, someone to come from the pack? What are your thoughts? Well, I think we have to look at, you know, past history. You know, it's like, is Louis Oosthuizen like the Lee Westwood? Uh, the guy that's there, the second, the third round, and then he gets on the back nine, and he just sort of fizzles away. I think it's Morikawa's tournament to win, to be honest with you, Bernie. Wow. So, okay, he's one stroke back, and it looked like he was uh, going to maybe take the lead a couple of times today. Now, Jordan Spieth is also looming there. You can you could have got him at 20-1 to 1 at the beginning of the tournament. He's three strokes back. Could he potentially rally? Well, of course. And I think, you know, he's – you know, and, and even more, somebody like Rom, he's going to be in the fourth group back, I think, or maybe the third group. You know, you get out there and you can, you know, freewheel it a little bit. And – you know, it sounds like course conditions are going to be somewhat the same. I haven't uh, tried to look to see if there was any going to be any wind or weather conditions, and it really doesn't look like it. But, of course, today when I met a, a chalk round, you know, they can set up the golf course over there and they can put uh, put the pins in five and six holes behind pot buckers where you can't make birdie where uh, you were getting 64, 65s in the first couple of rounds. And I I just don't know if that was possible out there today. And you saw so many rounds between 69 and 71, and everybody just pretty much held their serve. So I think it sounded like on a few holes they were going to move the tees up tomorrow uh, for some drivable situations. So, um, you know, getting the ball on the ground and getting it close to the hole is what it's all about. And you would know that, Mark. You're a scratch golfer. And what's interesting, you mentioned driver. We're speaking with Mark Lipke, uh, nice enough to stay up. He's on the phone with us from Ann Arbor, Michigan, where he was huge in helping me get my radio start back in March of, of 1994. Uh, longtime golf executive, radio executive. Uh, and he used to make these drivers, and they were fantastic, and everybody was buying them because you'd get on the tee. And, it, look, I full disclosure, I didn't take up golf until I was 37. I never got better than a 15 handicap, nor did I care. But I got my Lipke Woods, and all of a sudden I'm banging it down the fairway. People go, where'd you get those? Like, well, I got them from Mark Lipke, and you started making drivers for everybody. Maybe you could make a driver for Bryson DeChambeau because he's not too happy with Cobra. What did you think of that whole exchange? Oh, that was just priceless, wasn't it, Bernie? Isn't it fun <laughs> to watch? Uh, I, I mean, it's fun to watch one guy have fun, I guess. <laughs> you know what's interesting, but, Mark? Go ahead. Go ahead. Go. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, what's interesting is uh, it's going to sort of segue. Well, first of all, before I get into that with Kepka, I, I was a little taken aback by the scorched earth reply that Cobra had. Uh, obviously, they're spending a lot of money. They were upset with his comments, but I thought they would have taken the high road. Am I wrong? You know, I I think the response, you know, the the Twitter world, and and he was on it, right? I was, you know, I I, I saw the tweet by the executive, and if if you read the article, you know, the R and D is so far out in front of these guys; they're making so many requests that, 
you know, when he gets a driver that he likes, he's already requested six more. And I think if you read the article, it was a lot in jest when the comment was made that, you know, sometimes he likes it. He acts like an eight-year-old. But, of course, everybody ran with it. And, of course, Brooks was looking at it and took advantage and pounced. Well, that's true. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, he, what he's, I'm real happy with my driver. Uh, and, and this sort of leads to my next question is this little tete-a-tete between DeChambeau and Kepka. it's real. It feels like it's getting raw. Uh, I don't necessarily think it's bad for golf because it brings eyeballs to the game. What is your take, Mark? Because you know this game backward and forward. Is it good for the golf world or not? I think it's good for the golf world. It's almost like no, you know, any news is good news as long as you're talking about the game and, and, and it's happening. I think everybody's picking their sides and, you know, we've done it through the history of golf and we need it to continue to happen. And there are the folks that love Bryson and there are the folks that love Brooks and let it roll. And just as long as they can, you know, it, it, it's always fun. You know, let's hope they're on the Ryder Cup team together, right? Now, that would be something to see, yeah. And they'd have to figure out a way to make peace. We're talking with Mark Lipke from Michigan, longtime golf radio executive, was uh, with him at WTK in Ann Arbor back in, in 1994. Let's look ahead. Uh, I want to kind of jump gears here. Tiger Woods is on the mend, and we all know Ben Hogan came back after a terrible car accident about a year later. I'm of the belief Tiger will play golf again. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I, you know, it's, it's like the rock star, right? You, you, you thought they might retire one day, but what the heck else are they going to do? Um, and you know he's fought back from all sorts of adversity and things in the past. you got to believe he's going to do it. Um, I don't. I, I, I don't think you'll see the game until he approves to the next level, whether it's an exhibition. I think it will constantly be him evaluating whether or not he can he can pull it off or not. No, and I agree with what you said there. What else is he going to do? Uh, obviously, he does turn 46 in December, but he's been been written off so many times before. If he can right. walk, if he can walk again, he's going to golf again. I'm just of the opinion we're, we're going to see him on the course. How about Phil? Phil was a long shot this past week, and that was a mess. What happened there? Well, I, you know, I, I, I just you, – you go back to Phil winning. I, I, that major, what he did is to watch him – and I didn't think there was much play about it, to, but to watch him methodically slow down his play – and pull the gamesmanship he did in that final group, he basically won him. I, I think he gamesmanshiped himself a major win in in, in, in that tournament right. uh, just by slow playing. I mean, you know, even Kepka said behind them in that tournament, said, give me the penalty. Put us just so we get on the clock. Put me on the, you know, give me the penalty because Phil was just, slow playing everything so so much and i think he got into that element he was hitting the ball good that week and you know how it goes the streakiness these guys can get into a golf course that he loved and you know he can control his golf ball if he can putt the ball in the hole he can win no there's no two ways about it and he's had a storied career but you know 
to use a weak cliche, he is he is playing the back nine. Uh, Mark, before we run, if Tiger doesn't come back, is the game in good shape? Is uh, the PGA in good shape? What are your thoughts? Oh, I think so. I think we're going through a little bit of transition. I think it will be interesting to watch the uh, USGA tournaments with Mike Davis retiring. Um, he was just, it was his way or the highway. We've had, you know, some U.S. Opens in the past 15 years that I think were very questionable with the conditions that he put forth. And, um, you know, it might have been time for him to go. You know, Bernie, it's a great example right now in, in, in the Open Championship. Most of the time, they let the golf courses speak for themselves. And like at Royal St. George's in the past, you know, it's a, it's a minus 13. It's a minus 12 if the, if the conditions don't, don't pop up. And, and the RNA sometimes does, they, they don't necessarily care with that higher major score where, you know, in the U.S. Open, if Mike Davis saw four under, he was doing whatever he could net the next day to make sure that wouldn't happen. Right, trick up the course, and so yeah. with him out of the roto now, and you're going to see Oakland Hills back in, I think you're, you know, you're going to see what the, uh, if you haven't played Inverness, oh my word, what they've done there with the remodel. I'm assuming they'll get another another open i just think it's gonna you're gonna get back to some golf courses where uh we where i don't think par necessarily is going to be the big thing of the future in the opens but as far as the golf game the golf world goes i think we're in fine shape i'll tell you in michigan we're fighting the rain but the golf courses after uh, you know, whatever state you were in and however COVID affected you, I'll tell you in Michigan, we saw more new people playing golf than ever, Bernie. It was fantastic. Good to hear that. Final one. So you're uh, sticking with Colin Morikawa to close the deal tomorrow? I think so. I, I, I like him. I, and, you know, if Rom can get out there, I think he guy, he can do it too. You know, and I'm not discounting Jordan Spieth, and I'm sure everyone would love to see that. And, you know, what a great year he's had. You know, he's even right from the beginning, from the Pebble, the West Coast stretch, he's been right on it. Maybe maybe it's time. Maybe, it, you know, you, you wait him out and you're up there at the top of the leaderboard. Maybe it's his day to pounce too. But Morikawa, I just think, is, 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 is a great talent, and I think we're going to see a lot of majors out of him. You would know. Good stuff, Mark. Appreciate you staying up late. We'll be talking again soon. See you, pal. Let's touch base soon. You got it. Thanks. That is Mark Lipke. Mark is a longtime radio executive from Ann Arbor, Michigan, and he is a scratch golfer, knows his way around the links, and certainly understands the PGA. He's uh, right in the belly of the beast, and I want to thank him for the favor he did for me back in March of 1994, getting me in front of a PD who could put me on the air, even though I had zero radio experience. Coming up, I want to talk about tonight's epic Game 5, and I want to reiterate why I think this has been an incredibly exciting series. It's even made some history, and we'll look ahead to Game 6 as well. Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of the places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. 
Limitations apply. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted, so don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight out of Vegas! The great Bernie Fratto, folks. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hey, I'm John Middlecoff, and I host the 3 and Out podcast. Do you like football? Do you like the NFL? Do you like the NFL draft? Quarterbacks? Coaches? Well, I talk about it all on the show. I used to work for Andy Reid as a scout. Now I give you my unfiltered and raw opinions on everything that goes on in the NFL. And you know we're talking college football because of how important the draft is. Year-round. Listen to the 3 and Out podcast with me, John Middlecoff, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. You know, when the NBA Finals started this year, some people said it would be a fugazi. Well, I'm Italian. I know what that word means, and it's far from a fugazi. It's a real, it's the real deal. And uh, two weeks ago on Sunday, Aaron Torres and I talked about this. By the way, I'll be on tomorrow night with Aaron from Five Day Pacific. We said that I believed this series had a chance to be very exciting. Every day in America, a new star is born. Uh, I don't think the folks are anywhere nearly as nostalgic about LeBron as he wishes they were. We've seen enough of those guys for at least one year. And let me start again by saying, I said this at the top of the show, when Devin Booker and the Suns were down by one, got blitzed at the top of the key with 15 seconds to go, trying to get off a shot that might have been the winning basket, Drew Holiday ripped the ball from behind, then hustled down, stole it, threw a perfect lob to Giannis, who was pretty well contested. But Giannis ran his lane from coast to coast like a wild man and dunked it. Game, set, match. If you'll notice, by the way, the Bucks didn't pull back and run clock. They instinctively attacked. This is why they're going to be so difficult Tuesday night. They have outworked the Suns. You saw the first quarter, right? Phoenix set an early tone. They were, they were very intense. As a matter of fact, Drew Holiday picked up his second foul with 6.45 to go in the first period. Chris Paul was making him pay the price for being so aggressive. And Paul had been a little bit more aggressive offensively to start the game and more assertive. It was working. Meanwhile, the Bucks they had five turnovers in the first seven minutes, uh, which was the same total as the entire game. Game four, the Bucks had trouble even scoring in the first quarter. They had two uh, shot clock violations in the first 10 minutes. The Bucks also had trouble in the first quarter switching defensively on the pick and roll. What the hell happened after the first quarter? What changed? I'll tell you what changed. Drew Holiday put the team on his back. Holiday played with the kind of aggressive intensity and mindset of a star. A new star is born. He scored from all three levels. His aggressiveness kept the Bucks in striking distance and opened the door for Middleton and Giannis to kick it in gear. 88 points for the Bucks' big three. All year long, we heard about the big three in Brooklyn. Never once believed they win it. Don't want to hear any excuses about injuries. That was part of the reason I didn't think they'd win it. But the big three in Milwaukee, Middleton, Giannis, Drew Holiday, 88 points tonight. Frankly, the Bucks can't play any better offensively. 
but they are 9-1 and one at home in the playoffs this year. They're a five-point favorite in Game 6. They're now a minus 420 favorite to win the series. Last Sunday, Phoenix was minus 500. Oh, how things have changed. Now, by the way, Phoenix does have the best record uh, in the playoffs this year. Well, check that. They had the best road record during the regular season, 24-12, and 12, and they were 6-2 and two on the road in the playoffs before this series. Uh, they lost both their games in Milwaukee, although they let Game 4 get away. Now, let's talk about Game 4 because I got to tell you, even after Game 4, I thought to myself, if you're not enjoying the 2021 NBA Finals, that, that's a you issue. Granted, the first few games they got rolling – the games weren't always that artful, but they're incredibly competitive. They're very hard fought. These teams, frankly, are very evenly matched, and there have been storylines developing. It was always going to be, can Giannis get over the hump and get Milwaukee and his great city to the promised land for the first time since 1971? Or can Phoenix, with Chris Paul, the addition of Chris Paul, who people thought would be a mentor and a leader and a floor general, but he's been much more than that, Unfortunately, in the last couple of games, I tell you, if Phoenix does not win this series, Chris Paul will go down to history books as a guy with warning track power. He's done well. He's had an outstanding career. But you either win or you don't. And by the way, not for nothing, you either when you win game five in the NBA playoffs in the finals, you typically win the series 72% of the time. This year, this was the 30th time in the NBA Finals, the teams were tied 2-2. Two to two. And Milwaukee's been tied 2-2 two to two in all four series where they won the first three. You take a look at what you saw tonight and tell me if you think Phoenix can win the next two games. Yeah. Well, let's go back to game four. Even in game four, you were looking at the Bucks as being sort of a, a team that could prove their alpha dog abilities. Both Chris Middleton and, and Devin Booker had 40 points that night. You know that was only the fourth time in NBA history players on opposing teams had 40 points in the NBA Finals. The other times, they involved NBA royalty. Back in 1969, Jerry West and John Havlicek. In 1993, Charles Barkley and Michael Jordan did it. What I'm talking about are two players on opposing teams in the NBA Finals getting 40 points. And then in 2001, Allen Iverson and Shaquille O'Neal did it. That's pretty good company. Booker and Middleton, their names mentioned with West, Havlicek, Barkley, Jordan, Iverson, Shaquille O'Neal. Give Coach Bud credit. Everybody rides this guy like a rented mule, and I have in the past as well. But he's got them one game away from a championship. And I don't care what happened to get to this point. They're there. Putting Drew Holiday on Chris Paul was a brilliant move by Coach Bud. He was riding Chris Paul from 94 feet like a stick horse. He's sucking his will to live. He's wearing him out. Paul was clearly fatigued at the end of game four. That's why Phoenix couldn't close the deal, even though they led by seven in the fourth quarter. And then how about another memorable event? Giannis's block on DeAndre Ayton with a minute to go in game four. That is another situation that will be remembered, I think, and shown in highlight reels as long as the Bucks close the deal. When these final started it looked like Chris Paul was finally on his way to his first ever ever title he was playing at such a high level through two games averaging 27 points 58 percent from the floor he had every reason as a Suns fan to be over the moon his mid-range was working he was closing out games by himself everything you think of 
when they call him the point god, which I refuse to call him, was present to start the NBA Finals. But when Drew Holiday showed up to throw a, you know, he became the bug in the windshield, everything changed, and Milwaukee has done fabulous things. I really cannot wait for game six. Coming up, a lot of doings in Vegas this week. Sportsbook stuff. Uh, there was also a, a situation where the story came out on Tom Brady, and I'm going to explain why that is such a big deal. But first, well, speaking of big deals, let's go to the man. Well, he's got golden pipes. It's Brian Finley with the latest. Oh, Bernie, I don't know about that. But speaking of big deals, how about LeBron James sitting courtside in Game 5 of the NBA Finals, always wanting to be seen. The Bucks once down 0-2, won a third straight game in this NBA Finals, squelching the Suns 123-119 in Game 5 on Saturday. Drew Holiday's defense showing up big at the end. He ripped the ball away from Devin Booker when the Suns had a chance to tie down the stretch. Holiday immediately thereafter spoon-fed Giannis Antetokounmpo for the nasty alley-oop. Giannis with a team-high 32 points. Booker collecting 40. Afterwards, Holiday didn't make it about himself. Honestly, it was great team defense. Uh, I felt like we knew Booker wanted to take that last shot and <clears throat> took played great defense on him and made him turn his back and turn right into me. So uh, I guess I was just in the right place at the right time. The time for Game 6 is Tuesday in Milwaukee. Meantime, the Padres Nationals contest on Saturday was stopped in the sixth inning when gunfire rang out directly outside of the Nats Stadium. Two cars pulled up in front of the ballpark and exchanged shots. The ordeal wounded three people, including one female who was at the game. San Diego Union Tribune's columnist Kevin Acey quoted a fan at the contest who described the commotion inside the stadium. Quote, I looked out on the field and saw Fernando Tatis run down the third baseline, grab two kids, and take them to the dugout. Then he went back and got two more. Close quote. The game will be finished Sunday at 105 Eastern, and the series finale will follow. As far as games that did finish, the Dodgers pelt the Rockies 9-2. Ocker Bueller picks up his 10th win of the season. The Braves slice the Rays 9-zip. Jock Peterson socks a two-run blast. The Cardinals overcome the Giants 3-1. Paul Goldschmidt had a three-hit, two-RBI game. And the Open Championship fourth round getting underway in about 40 minutes our first tee time at 12 10 a.m pacific and louis ustazen is your leader 12 under overall alone in the lead colin morikawa is right behind one shot and i think bernie fratto bernie did you make the cut i know you were really close i know you do have a really good short game but <laughs> with that i'll send it back to you yeah, I played under the name Shooter McGavin. I actually <laughs> yes. missed the cut. And by the way, good good catch on uh, LeBron. I was really fooled. Uh, <laughs> I saw a guy there wearing sunglasses and a Mr. T starter kit, but I was so fooled. I, geez, that's not LeBron, is it? <laughs> is that like a whole new level of D-bag for this guy? I mean, is that where we're at? Well, anyway. I mean, I, yeah, it's weird. And, and I wondered if he was wearing the sunglasses, he must have worn the socks with sandals too. We just didn't see that. The camera didn't <laughs> He's not that cool. Yeah. No, no. He Don't start connecting him with the, the <laughs> man who's a silver-tongued devil. Okay. Can't do that. All right. Thanks so much, Brian. Appreciate it. 
Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit cards at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations apply. I want to talk about the Tom Brady thing for a minute. It's important. Uh, a report came out this week. He played the entire year with an MCL uh, sprain. It was never reported. And injuries uh, are supposed to be reported uh, because of the personnel injury report policy that the NFL has had in place for decades. It's frankly uh, a, you know, a cornerstone of the public confidence that folks have of the credibility of NFL teams and owners and their required full compliance and, and enforcement of the policy. Now, here's why. The intent is to provide complete information on player availability because if it's thought a player might not play, well, that could move the line seven points. It also, you know, it's a situation where I'm going to get to the betting part of it in a minute, but this is in the entertainment business, and if the understudy is playing and the starter's not, it violates the policy, which I think can result in the commissioner disciplining teams, right? And you could forfeit draft choices. It's, it's a very serious situation. Uh, you just simply can't hide information like that. And look, we are joined at the hip now uh, with sports betting legalized in 27 states and many, probably 18 more to come. And the reason it's been so successful is because of convergence. Since PASPA was struck down, the convergence between pro sports leagues, acceptance to state regulation, to technological and financial innovation, everything has converged to create a really thriving business sector. So here's one of the issues that's very problematic for me. When a sports book, you, you want fair and equitable betting markets. You don't want the little guy getting hurt. A betting line is not a predictor. It's merely an instrument to create equal action on both sides so you can maximize profit for the books and minimize risk to both the books and the betting markets because someone could have unfair access to sensitive information that could affect the outcome of a game, of a, uh, the, the betting line, and if they're compromising the integrity of the entire process by hiding information, guess what? The little guy gets hurt. And you create a system where people distrust it. And the NFL is very concerned about that. By the way, even in the, betting, the regulated betting markets, you're not going to see here in, 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 like in Las Vegas, which is a regulated betting market, the national anthem, the length of the national anthem uh, as, a, as a potential bet on the board, a prop bet that you can wager on because someone could have access to that information before the event takes place and compromise the integrity of the betting market. Same thing with Academy Awards. Typically, if it's not decided in the box score or on the field, you're not going to see it on the board. Now, there are exceptions, which we've talked about in the past, but the, the, for the most part, as it pertains to this, the NFL, the, their teams must disclose a player's injured body part, whether the player is probable, questionable, doubtful, or out for an upcoming game, and then the league requires teams to include, quote, a reasonable degree of specificity in the reports. The bottom line, again, if injury information is kept hidden, questionable people, they could go so far as to bribe insiders with teams. You never know who they can get to, or medical people, or players themselves, which I think is doubtful because of so much NFL security, but why open Pandora's box? We'll see if the commissioner speaks out on this or the NFL makes some kind of statement. Shohei Otani has been in the news a lot this week. Uh, obviously, he was great in the All-Star game, got the win, pitched a good inning, perfect inning, and he competed well in the home run derby. He did everything he was asked. You know, back in the spring, 
one of the things you can bet on are who will win the American League MVP or the National League MVP. And back when those lines were drawn up in the spring, Shohei Otani opened up at William Hill as a 60-1 to favorite to win the MVP. That means you, you could have bet $10 on him. And at that time, if Otani wins the MVP, you win about $600. Well, a lot has changed. Otani has 33 home runs, 12 stolen bases. He's been sensational on the mound. If he's not going to win the MVP in the American League, barring injury or something unforeseen, I don't know who is. Well, now Otani is a minus 300 favorite. So to win that same $10, you'd have to put up $30 to win $10. Or to win that same $600, you'd have to put up, uh, you know, what, $1,800? So the long and the short of it is there is now liability. And MGM has liability. William Hill has liability. It could result in a seven-figure loss for Las Vegas sportsbooks because he, Shoei Otani is the largest liability to win the American MVP award by a mile. And William Hill alone would lose about a million dollars, largely because of one $30,000 wager to win 900000 It took somebody took on Otani at 30 to 1 in the preseason. That is absolutely unheard of. We've never heard of anybody betting 30000 on anything 30 to 1. It's got to be a first. By the way, as I mentioned, the line Tuesday, the Suns are getting five points, the Bucks are now minus 420. To win the series a week ago today, you could have gotten the Bucks plus 350. One other thing I want to get to, proving that sports books and bookmakers are human. This past week, we learned about the biggest sports book blunder in the history of Las Vegas, and I'm not exaggerating. The WNBA All-Star Game, which was played the other night, the total, the over-under, opened up at 250. That's not unreasonable. Circle put out the send-off line. The last few games have been right around that number. Unfortunately, what they neglected to realize was that they were playing under the new format this year, which had, which meant the All-Star game was going to be comprised of the USA Olympic team versus the WNBA All-Stars. So it wasn't going to be the usual free-flowing, wide-open showtime. It was going to be a game where there was actually tough defense and both teams were trying to win. The good news is the books didn't get hurt and there were very low limits and the game went under anyway. Check this out. So the game opened at 250. You actually could have got the under at 250. It closed at 195, which means when the game tipped off, the over-under is 195, and it landed on 178, which, which means the combined score between the two teams was 178. At the end of the day, let's just say it could have been a lot worse, but it wasn't. But again, it just goes to show you bookmakers are human. Every now and then, they'll make a mistake as well because Circa put that up and all the other books sort of followed blindly right behind them without checking it out until somebody caught them and then they all made the adjustment in time coming up you know him you love me can't live without him we're going to talk about tonight's game and some of the stats around tonight's game we're going to go to mckenzie rivers with Mackinac Sports. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted, so don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. We're back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Before I go any further, I want to thank my broadcast team back in Los Angeles, turning all the dials, keeping us glued together. Always do a fantastic job behind the scenes. That would be Brian Finley, the Silver Tongue Devil, Chris Perfett, and tonight Nick Battaglia in for Bull Benson. Thanks, guys, for doing such a great job. All right, that time of the week. You know him, you love him, you can't leave without him. 
We have a way of diving into subject matter that I'm quite convinced you don't hear on any other show. It's time for Mackenzie Rivers and Mackinac Sports. Mackenzie, you know, there have been big threes in the NBA. Miami had their own big three back in the day. Brooklyn had their big three, sort of. I just refuse to give it up to those guys. <laughs> but Milwaukee's got a big three of their own, and they're getting it done when it matters most. Yes, they've done something tonight, I'm going to get to in one second, that the Heatles, the Miami Big Three, LeBron James, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh never did in their playoff history, four years together, two championships, four final trips. They never did what the Big Three for the Bucks did tonight. But I would be remiss if I didn't say the last time I was on these airwaves for, with you, Bernie Fratto, on Saturday night, I have to toot my own horn. I called it, Bernie. I said there's only one team in this finals. We're going to come back, and there's only going to be one team. And look, we saw it. Three straight wins for the Bucks, just like I predicted. Right, Bernie? <laughs> that, that, folks, is known as sarcasm. But look, no one saw this coming. When the Last week at this time, when the Suns were up 2-0 and asserting themselves, and Giannis was playing uh, Giannis ball from the top of the key, you know, clear out, everybody stand around. Look, give it up. The Bucks changed. Their ball movement's been sensational. But moreover, McKenzie, they've been doing it with defense. And the truth of the matter is that offense is nice, but they're doing it with defense as well. Yes, they've turned it on, and they've – They've activated a team with a big three that all are ex excellent on defense. Chris Middleton, Giannis Defensive Player of the Year candidate. And we saw what Drew Holliton did on Chris Paul and Devin Booker, the huge steal in the final seconds of tonight's Game 5. But let's talk about offense for one second because, yes. like I said, the the Heat big three, they've never, they never did this in four years of playoff history together. The, the Bucks big three combined for 88 points tonight. That is three more than Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, and LeBron James ever combined in any playoff game. You might say, okay, well, big deal. You know, Chris Bosh wasn't that good. Chris Bosh was scoring like 25 a game back when he was by himself. The ability to mesh offensive styles together is no easy trick, Bernie. The fact that they were able to get Holiday going, get Middleton going, and Giannis was, he really impressed me tonight because he was not very active in the, it actually looked a lot like game one. He wasn't active in the first half, only had about 11 shots heading into the fourth quarter. But when they needed him most, he kept getting second chance points, kept coming up with buckets and hit just enough free throws to do it. So, hey, if you, if you get yourself in the company of, of uh, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh and surpass them, something they never did in their history together, it sounds like you're rounding your way into championship form at the right time. Well, it sure looks like Drew Holiday was the missing link. They gave up a lot to get him, but right on schedule, he's doing everything. And little things are not lost on me. In Game 4, Giannis' block on DeAndre Ayton probably sealed that victory. And tonight... I've already talked about it a couple times on the show, but when Devin Booker got blitzed at the top of the key, I was convinced he was going to pull up mid-range and, and win the game. I really, I just felt like it was coming and I was wrong. And they converged on him and blitzed him. Holiday ripped the ball from behind and then took off the other way, threw a perfect lob to Giannis. Now think about this, McKenzie. Giannis was somewhere in the paint. He had to sprint up the floor in the runner's lane to get into position to receive that perfect lob. Those are the little things that don't show up in the box score that find their way to win championships. I have been incredibly impressed with Giannis. It's hard not to really like this Milwaukee team and the way they play. 
Yes, sir. And actually looking at the odds, it's almost exactly the opposite of last Saturday. Yes. Last Saturday, the Suns had an 80% chance, Bucks 20%. Now the Bucks have an 80% chance. They're minus 420, Suns 20%. So maybe we'll see another reversal. I can't wait. I'm not making any predictions. I'm, I'm here to see what's going to happen. But I have this for you, Bernie. Neither the Bucks nor the Suns are the consensus favorites for next year's title. Right, right. We have three sports books that came out with these, so we're able to do a three-book consensus, which we like to do. And we have the favorites. So the yeah, favorites for next year's title, the Brooklyn Nets, who I think, I'm looking at my, my NBA top players charts, the only body with, with the Bucks that have three players in the top 30. They actually have three in the top 20. So they're the title favorites. Nets at plus three, 275. Then the L.A. Lakers, they're always going to get love from the Vegas markets, plus 450. Now, here's a surprise, Bernie. Before the Bucks at 10-1, to 1, who were the fourth favorite, the Golden State Warriors are the third favorite at 9-1. to 1. They don't have a roster of the third favorite, but they may have the potential to have a roster of a third favorite, a.k.a. Damian Lillard, in the near future. Then the Bucks are the fourth favorite. Then the Clippers, 10-1. to 1. And then the Suns, 14-1. to 1. Can they get back there, Bernie? That's the big question. They kind of look fortuned. They kind of fortuned out with a few different bounces their way these finals. But they do have a young core. So what do you think, Bernie? Uh, no, uh, I don't think the Suns will get back. I think their window was this year. I think they were fortunate that the Lakers weren't healthy. And, McKenzie, that doesn't surprise me what you tell me about the Nets and the Warriors because, simply put, you know how this game is played. Those are market lines. The Nets are going to get a ton of action. The Golden State Warriors are getting Clay Thompson. They're going to get a ton of action. They might add to that roster. The books are not going to expose themselves. One of the things that sticks out in my mind tonight, the Suns were 68% against the number in the first half this year, and they were 68% against the number following a loss. Teams that win to game five, they win the series 72% of the time. Looks like that's going to be the case, in my opinion. Good stuff by Mackenzie Rivers this time every week with Mackinac Sports. I cannot wait for Game 6. Storylines are developing. We'll see what happens. That'll do it for this week's edition of Straight Out of Vegas. I'm Bernie Fratto. Next up, the man from Nashville who brings it strong. It's time for Jason Martin and the Jason Martin Show. Keep it locked on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! 